Vanessa, I know that um, Karen has a family education program and people always talk about FEP. Could you explain what type of education is offered for parents with children dealing with substance use disorders and other mental health conditions? Mm. Recently, um, Karen is um, going through some changes. One of the things we are recognizing is we need to put a higher uh, preference on mental health and looking at co-occurring as well as co-use in regards to how someone uses a substance to self-medicate or treat their own mental health addiction. One of the things we're doing with families is educating them on um, that it's a symbiotic relationship, but also talking about the complexities of uh, treating both mental health with substance use disorder. I also have, re- you know, reality that I work with couples as well. So I also will talk to partners, to spouses and the addiction interaction if there is one regarding a behavioral addiction as well. So to answer your question, we are looking at this as expanding in our programs and looking more at the mental health components. We have on-staff psychologists, psychiatrists, as well as um, mental health technicians that work with patients who are struggling with um, symptoms of their mental health uh, concerns and issues in treatment as well. So we have, as I said, we do assessments, um, but we are aware of, unfortunately, some of the uh, issues around mental health uh, becoming more pronounced in treatment. Thank you. Vanessa, how do you recommend uh, I deal with something that seems to always trigger me and makes me incredibly anxious uh, when I interact with my kid? Well, as you know, as we were talking, I think one of the things that I would always reference is to take a moment to recognize your own trigger. I think one of the things that many people do is when they have a trigger, they want to talk themselves out of it. They want to um, try to find a way to rationalize it or just to simply ignore it or deny it. And I think for the reality of what we're dealing with with substance use disorder, we need to listen to it. There may be a truth to that as well. Um, And I think one of the things to do is just take a moment, take some time to process that trigger, um, realizing that it is okay to communicate that you might need space. And it is okay to restate some boundaries if you feel that trigger is based on behavior that you're seeing in your loved one. Um, I always say that uh, your own thoughts, your feelings, your experiences don't simply go away because we're now dealing with recovery. Um, and sometimes realizing that a trigger does not mean you're going to act on it, but it does mean that we need to take some time to look at where it co- is coming from and how it impacts us in other relationships, too. Um, I do recommend for families who are coming into recovery with a loved one who just left treatment to seek out their own support, whether it's a family gr- uh, support group such as this one, family therapy. Um, and to start to look at their own interaction and history with the addictive process. Hi, Vanessa. Um, my experience is that family therapy is tough to go through, especially yes. when there is one or more family members who are not uh, on board with participating. So is it valuable to put everybody through this program, even if, um, especially if it's a young adult and a adds more anxiety to everybody. 
Um, in regards to family therapy, when someone asks me, do I need to go to family therapy? I, my answer is a short one. It's usually yes. Um, because the addictive process changes how families function. It changes the dynamics. Uh, it changes the roles in which we engage with each other. So family therapy, number one, can be brief. Uh, it can be focused as well. And when family members asked uh, who comes to family education, I, I simply respond, whoever was affected by the addiction. Um, and I th tell them, you know, there is age appropriateness in our edu in our uh, education program. Uh, so there will be some people who will better be suited for family therapy where it's more personalized, where it is an opportunity for them to talk about their own experiences and work with a professional who understands that process. I would say really um, for families to understand that there's going to be a new normalcy that is coming out of the treatment process and that you're going to need time to work through the resentments, the fears, the anxieties, and really what family therapy does is it works off of family education and building um, a new understanding on how to negotiate through those early phases of recovery. You know, a good family therapist is someone who is going to keep you engaged in the treatment process. They're going to keep you engaged in the treatment planning. They're going to work off of evidence-based interventions. So even those uh, individuals in your family who are struggling with wondering why is this purposeful to us, uh, typically they're going to gain something from that. Um, and see the process and, of the family and the progression. Um, but mostly it's to remember that any family therapy situation has an end date, and that is something that the family is engaged in. If nothing else, whoever is willing to go and be a part of that process, keep the invitation open to them. And anyone who's willing to join might see the changes that are happening within the dynamics and want to join at a later time when it feels safe. Um, so I say keep the invitation open and work with a family therapist who is understanding of the addiction process and has um, has that in their skill set and has an explanation to the modalities that they're going to use in interventions. For families whose uh, children are in treatment, is there a difference for opioid addiction, uh, the challenges facing those families uh, uh, versus other substance abuse uh, disorders or mental health issues? You know, yeah. the opioids, a separate category sort of. I, you know, I just read an article uh, that was in September issue of the issues from the American Medical Association, and they uh, shared that opiate use is on the rise again. I think there was a, a moment when we saw it kind of come down, but now it's on the rise and there's a co-use happening with um, with opiates as well as amphetamines and methamphetamine in particular. So for families, education around that, um, talking with professionals who have an experience in opiate treatment, but also realizing, and this is a harsh reality, realizing that there's a hard, uh, high rate of relapse. There's many times that families will come through treatment um, because of opiate addiction. However, there is a reality also that um, the longer the person is in treatment, meaning doing a primary stay of 30 to 45 days, moving into an extended care program, sober living, the longer that they're in treatment, the more that family has the opportunity to heal and start their own process of recovery. Families learning how to use Narcan uh, 
in that situation, I strongly recommend having ongoing supports like we have here with this group, going to Naranon, uh, Al-Anon, getting more education and educating other family members on um, Narcan as well as resources in the area. Um, interventions uh, with opiate addiction in particular. Uh, I think someone spoke to it that, you know, an opiate addict will do whatever is necessary in their active addiction to reduce the craving, to reduce the uh, withdrawal that they're going through. So having those discussions with family members who are susceptible uh, to the emotional pulls and manipulations, bringing them into interventions. Uh, Karen, we do family coaching. That's even prior to coming to treatment. Um, and during treatment, we continue that process. And then I would definitely say after treatment, families will need their ongoing therapy. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm wondering something sort of broad. Does it really, really matter what we as family members are doing once our child has accepted treatment and has entered treatment and we sort of know that they're finally safe and can take a break? Um, I say take that break, take the breather, but um, it's time to do the real work. And what I mean by that is a lot of times families are still in crisis when they reach out and they're going through maybe family coaching or they're doing uh, working with an interventionist. And so there's a lot of intensity. And so when your loved one comes to treatment, there's a moment to take a breather, probably a really good night's rest as well. But it's like anything else, then the real work starts where, you know, what does family, what are families going to get out of their own support and building up their own support network? Well, continuing to have that outlet for their own um, identification on how things have impacted them. Uh, within, within the treatment, we do a lot of work around the family impact. So that is part of the um the treatment episodes, as well as what the uh, patient is going to work on. But most importantly for families to realize that um, the moment they drop their loved one off, they are going to face a whole new reality and what that is going to mean in a couple of weeks when they come back. So working towards uh, managing your own anxieties, starting to look at how am I going to set up a recovery home? Um, treatment is not a fix. The real process of recovery begins after they walk out the door and have this new set of knowledge and these tools, but now have to put it in an application. So for families, yeah, you're going to be a part of the long haul, but <laughs> there is some really good things coming. Um, and what you're going to get out of that support and support groups like this is a sense of freedom and more fellowship and hopefully some fun again. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'll expand on that, but I really would um, encourage families to understand that treatment is just the beginning of that change process, that metamorphosis they're looking for. Thank you. Thanks so very much, Vanessa, for being with us. Thank you.